0: This is The Cheat Chat Podcast with, with Chiquita Searle. Welcome to the next installment of your favorite dating segment, The Unhinged Onhinge. So, I'm thrilled to introduce today's expert, sex worker, mother and wife, Georgia Hart. Welcome, Georgia, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So, as a bit of context and backstory, I have introduced you uh, before in the initial segment, but Georgia, you've worked in the adult industry for 12 years. You've worked in brothels, you've toured the country as a private escort and now you're predominantly working as an online sex worker.
1: Yep, correct.
0: You're also a mum of two young boys, you married a client and you now live a wholesome life in the
1: suburbs. When you sum it up like that, it's, it's like a lot. <laughs>
0: well, you've been busy. So, Georgia, the million-dollar question, what made you pursue this line of
1: work? So, before I turned 18, I'd seen a TV show called Secret a Call Girl with the beautiful Billy Piper and I thought, oh, her life looks so amazing. I want to do that. <laughs> so what was – I remember watching that
0: actually. It was only five or six episodes and um – yeah, it does look quite.
1: Uh, it does look really glamorous. Doesn't it's glamorous,
0: yeah. The glamorous side of things, very much so. Yeah, which is,
1: can be some people's experiences, but not. It's not all the time like that. So, what was
0: appealing? What did it? What did you see in this uh, TV series that appealed to you so much? I loved that she
1: could go for runs in the middle of the day. She wasn't stuck at the office. <laughs> I'm like, I want that lifestyle. Who doesn't, Georgia? Yes. <laughs> so before
0: you decided to um, move into second. Work had, had you done any research beforehand
1: no I'd done a bit of practice but no research <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I have so many questions but <laughs> maybe that's another podcast for a, a later time slot um, so okay so you started sex work when you turned 18 because you can't actually be a sex worker before turning 18 legally
1: is that correct yeah yeah that's the um legal system here in Victoria. So five days after my birthday, I walked straight into a brothel and asked for a job. Was that here in Melbourne? Just down the road from here. It was down in (laughs) Moravin. So, do you remember
0: that first night? Do you remember walking into that brothel? So clearly. Like, I remember it
1: like it was yesterday. So, can you take us through it? I can, yeah. Your first night? (laughs) (laughs) So, I tried to dress professionally to go in there for my interview. (laughs) I don't know how necessary that was. Um, And they offered me a job on the spot. I was so thrilled. Um, and because I dressed so conservatively, another girl <laughs> lent me a dress to wear, picked a different name to use. And um, looking back now, like, it definitely felt like quite an out-of-body experience because I was so, I don't know what the word is, just so, like, something I've never experienced before, I guess. <laughs> it's like, wow, I'm finally getting paid for sex, like... <laughs> So exciting. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, back to
0: that night. So, what, um, what, do you remember what you wore?
1: Yeah, the girl that let me address it was a gold shiny, tiny little dress, something I probably wasn't that comfortable in, but, you know, I just ran with it. Yeah. Are you
0: allowed to say what name you chose or
1: yeah, so private? my f- No, my first, the first name I used was my middle name. So it was Michelle and I used that for only a few weeks before I decided to change it to Tash. Tash. Okay. And then I was Tash for about 11 and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've just gone out with my real name, Georgia. Georgia. And so can you talk us through that first
0: night then? What was your experience? You changed into the gold dress and then what happened from there? So I got booked pretty much straight away and I remember, I think, I actually feel, sorry to interrupt, but I actually feel quite anxious. I'm like so excited to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you're... apologize
1: for interrupting no no problem at all so I think my cl- my first client was probably more nervous than I was and yeah like an hour passed and the job was done and um I kind of thought oh it really is no different to just having sex in the normal world really <laughs> and so did you have to um build how do you build
0: rapport because I'm assuming that the quality of the connection is built upon the rapport that you can establish quite quickly so how did you go about that because as an 18 year old um you, you young it's a a young person walking into quite a mature industry I mean it's the oldest industry in the world isn't it yeah Uh, so how did you approach
1: that Um, I've always had pretty good like people skills I suppose with talking to people and communicating and that sort of thing Um, yeah I found him quite easy to sort of you know. (laughs) How old was he about? He was only a few years older than me so I think yeah that made it quite easy as well but yeah so we met in there like they've got like brothels have intro rooms downstairs where you sort of meet and get the formalities out of the way and then you go upstairs and get down to business. (laughs) (laughs) So when a
0: a client walks in, sorry I'm just trying to I'm a very visual person uh, so they come in and what's the selection process like because I'm assuming that there's quite a like there's multiple women working yeah, at the same time usually and so they, yeah. they walk in and, and is there a selection
1: process Or yeah the receptionist will guide them to yeah the little intro rooms <laughs> depending on where you go they've probably got porn playing in there <laughs> and then girls just go in one by one and introduce themselves and you know um, you can ask any questions you might have about the service etc and then and the receptionist will go back in once everyone's been through and if someone wants to spend time with someone then they'll work it out and then um, the girl comes through and takes the client upstairs. And so what had
0: society told you about sex work before you started in the industry when you
1: got some experience? Is it is it an accurate depiction? To be honest I didn't know much about what society thought of the industry before I started in the industry And it's as I, as as time went on, you know, and friends started dumping me and uh, does it get, yeah, getting rejected by society as time goes on. I was really surprised. I was like, oh, what do you mean? (laughs) So, uh, no, I don't think it's an accurate depiction at all. Um my you know I was 18 so I can't I can't blame my friends at the time for having the opinions they did because <laughs> they were young and they probably didn't know any better themselves. Um but they sort of told me no you're just going to have you know have a terrible life terrible things are going to happen to you. Um xyz and I sort of thought well no that's not really <laughs> that's not what's going to happen trust me and I could I was actually really shocked at that that they thought you know it was going to be full of bad decisions um my experience and i was like no it's not and it hasn't been so yeah so when you started you
0: were then quite open about telling people what you were doing so you were telling your friends did you tell your family
1: no i didn't tell them um i didn't tell them till quite a few years later
0: so what did they think you were doing
1: oh so I also worked in retail for a little bit and then I had a another job at the airlines for a couple of years so I sort of had something yeah it was sort of part-time for a little while and then when I was about 22 that's when I went full-time in the adult industry
0: and um so you were working uh in the brothels for quite a while yeah and is there um uh A hierarchy, I guess, within the brothel, within the industries,
1: are some better than others or? So we call that the hierarchy, and this isn't my personal opinion, but yes, there is. Um, so at the top, you'd probably have. wives (laughs) wives <laughs> next down you'd have like sugar babies sorry so say that again so the hierarchy is why wi- sorry
0: take me through this what is that again <laughs> sorry can you
1: explain that well we can, we've got to admit at the end of the day a lot of people marry for money okay and marry for security gotcha and that so we've got wives wives at the top okay This <laughs> <Gotcha. laughs> says me who is a wife <laughs> um next down you'd have like sugar babies then it's sort of questionable where online content creators and um, private escorts sort of fit in the next. Then you've got brothel workers and then um, street-based sex workers at the bottom. And this is not my personal opinion. This is just general society of what's most acceptable and, yeah.
0: So what's your opinion then, based on your experience?
1: Oh, I find it interesting because I actually really love brothel work because you don't have to run a business. You're just walking in. It's like having a job. You just walk in and you don't have to think too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but like private work, I'm like, oh, it's so much more to it. <laughs>
0: So what did you enjoy besides having, the, I guess, the clients come to you? Did you build up regular clientele within the brothels?
1: Yeah, I did. And I really, really, really miss um, working with like other women in the industry. Uh, yeah, I really miss that.
0: This is Chit Chat with Jaquita with Searle.
1: So I am here in studio with sex worker Georgia Hart, who is helping
0: us debunk the stigmas surrounding those who work in the adult industry. So she has just been incredibly vulnerable, Georgia. So thank you again for sharing your experience becoming a sex worker at the age of 18, walking into the brothel the first night, getting the job done. (laughs) Uh, Love it. So, I just wanted to, um, because you do have some inside information, I just wanted to ask from the male point of view, obviously you're you're making connections with men uh, in your
1: role and in your experience, why do men hire escorts? I think sex is different to men. I feel like it's kind of like, you know, when you're hungry for food and it's just like, there's nothing else you can do to quench that hunger (laughs) than to eat. (laughs) And I feel like for men, when they get horny, they just have got to do it. (laughs)
0: Mm. Are there any other reasons? Did in terms of the clientele, the demographic was? um, Were were you seeing a lot of married men, or were they mainly single men? Were they young men? Were they old men?
1: I think people think it's all married men, but for me, I'm gonna. This is a very un, not a very accurate statistic, but I reckon about half of my clients. A single. Okay. Yeah. So about 50 50.
0: And so why do you think they're coming um, to an escort when they could probably find someone on Tinder quite quickly?
1: Um, I think seeing an escort can be a little less complicated, a little more guaranteed, <laughs>
0: <laughs> less effort. <Yeah. laughs> and it could just be you don't what have they're to looking Put for. on a picnic in the park and make an avocado dip. Well,
1: lots of my clients would do that. <laughs> but I think, like, it's just. It's totally different to dating. Like, they know exactly what they're getting, what they're paying for, and they're going home, and then they don't have to – yeah, I think for some people, it's a lifestyle choice. Like, they probably don't want to be in a relationship.
0: So, is it part of it, do you think, um, the fear of rejection? Because do you think that men experience that fear of rejection – a
1: lot. Because, like if they're dating in their yeah, personal Yeah, if they're life. dating
0: in their personal life and they may put a lot of effort into a woman and it's that fear of rejection of having their advances rebuffed. Whereas if they go and I suppose um, uh, it's a commercial arrangement, then, you know, as you say, it's guaranteed.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I think it's a confidence thing as well. I think a lot of guys don't have the confidence to go and date or go, you know, online and date, that sort of thing. So, I feel like, yeah, it gives them a lot of confidence coming and seeing an escort. Um,
0: oh. So, what was the – so, how long were you working the brothels for? I
1: worked in the brothels for about five or six years. Yeah, about five or six.
0: Okay, so what was the catalyst then for you moving on from the brothels?
1: So I had my first child and it just became really expensive paying for a babysitter to look after my child and then go and sit in a brothel. I normally would make a, a decent amount of money, but there's always that risk that you might not. And then I'm sitting around for eight hours, potentially not making money. So, I thought, mm, I can't really continue to take this risk. I want to I try what private escorting could be like. Um, and then once you get into private escorting, your clients pay deposits, you only go and leave and do the booking if you've mm. already had the financial commitment. So, it was just less risky, I suppose, financially.
0: So, me. what were hours would you work in a brothel? Is it like a nine to five job or is
1: it nighttime or do you I, have different shifts? Yeah, the one I worked at was 24 hours um, and I would just do normally an eight-hour shift from 12 to 8. At night or during the day?
0: Midday till 8 p.m. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, what's the difference then between working in a brothel and having a
1: private business? Inter- Private
0: escort. So, you book the clients yourself and then...
1: Yeah. So, it's similar to running your own business in anything else. So, you've got to do all the advertising, all the admin, all the, you know, back and forth between the client and then, um, yeah, and then actually doing the work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And what were there any rules around dating clients? I know that you did date one of yours. So, <laughs> or a couple. So tell us about the rules around dating, uh, dating clients.
1: There is no specific rules on what you should or shouldn't do. I am the exception to the rule and I did quite like dating clients. For me, it was, um, I just found I'm like, well, if they're already interested in me enough to book me, then. <laughs> And then if they did want to take it further, a couple of times I did. And then I finally met my husband. <laughs> and so your husband was actually one of your clients. He was a client, So yeah. tell us about your, your – do you remember your first meeting with your husband? I do because I had no idea what he looked like. And I was standing outside my hotel in Sydney, smiling at every man that walked by. <laughs> <laughs> it was really early in the morning. It was about 9 o'clock. Um, so there was lots of people working, walking to their offices and that sort of thing. And I'm standing out on the street in a cute little dress. <laughs> just smiling at everyone and he finally walks up to me and yeah I remember thinking god he's so cute <laughs> so was it instant attraction yeah definitely
0: and um so what was it like then um to transition a client into a romantic partner how did how did it happen for you and your husband it's interesting because he
1: said I had my guard up and I think I think I did to a certain degree, but I definitely wanted a relationship with him. Um... We started, so he started booking me regularly whenever I uh, toured Sydney and then he started bringing me coffee and then we started going out for coffee <laughs> and then we started texting more often. Um, and guys, if you're listening, I am the exception to the rule, okay? <laughs> Don't go blurring the boundaries with your sex worker. <laughs> yeah, most most sex workers wouldn't appreciate um that boundary being blurred the way I did, but um, yeah.
0: <laughs> so how long then from first meeting your husband? T- did you then go? Oh, I think we might be dating, or did you? Did we falling in love?
1: Yes, yeah, so, every meeting or. So we met in about late January, early February, and. I think it was about July or August, I went away with a sugar daddy for a couple of nights and it was a funny arrangement. I was kind of getting paid, not really. And um, I couldn't be on my phone texting my now husband and I just remember thinking being away on this holiday with this guy. I'm like, oh, I really miss him. I really miss texting him. And I thought, oh, these feelings, yeah, a bit more than that. (laughs) So that was sort of when we... So, did you approach the subject then with yeah. him?
0: Did you say, I miss you and
1: yeah, I think how I to- do you feel? I think I told him afterwards how I felt and how I missed him while I was away with the sugar daddy. <laughs> so, has your husband ever felt jealous about
0: you spending time with other men?
1: Um, at the start of our relationship, there was a few hurdles that we had to overcome. Um, I don't think they were necessarily sex work specific though. I think... You know, I think all new relationships kind of go through teething problems and you just kind of have to establish your boundaries, that sort of thing. And I think they might be a little bit harder as a sex worker, but um, I don't think he's not a jealous person and he I wouldn't say – yeah, I wouldn't say jealous.
0: And so what um – and did you once you started dating your husband did you continue to work as a sex worker and
1: yeah we had a couple of conversations early on about um what we would do and i think we were both you know i sort of said i'm not ever going to leave this industry for a man um yeah and so he sort of said he doesn't expect me to leave work so i was very happy i could have my cake and eat it too (laughs) (laughs)
0: Excellent, Georgia. That is – well, good. Excellent. As
1: you should. You're a career woman.
0: Um, So, what have you found to be some of the downfalls of being a sex worker after 12 years
1: in the industry? Definitely, like, stigma and, like, the troubles that you face, um, which I had no idea about entering. Like I said earlier, I didn't realize, like, you can have your bank account completely shut down just for being a sex worker. Um, You get denied mortgages, all that sort of thing. It's just, there's so much like, <laughs> so many like, um, what's the word? I can't think. Where you're like, I can't think of the word. <laughs> So, Georgia, what are some of the biggest
0: myths around being a sex worker that you'd like to debunk for people? I think the way
1: that sex work is depicted in media as a whole is a whole big myth. <laughs> um, you know, we're business women. We are we are wives. We are mothers. We are not the drugs of society. <laughs> well, let's talk
0: about how, um, I guess, sex workers are depicted in movies and TV series. I mean, we just had this uh, conversation off air, but let's have it on air now. Uh, So when you look at sex workers and how they're depicted, generally they are street workers and they are walking around and they are generally you know drug addicts um multiple children to multiple um men um who are run by generally abusive pimps or um sometimes they're in relationships with i mean they this is the story that is depicted for us yeah uh and reinforced so is that what you mean by
1: that yes not
0: who you think we are
1: i mean you know some people might choose to work that way and if that's what they want to do like Absolutely, but that's not sex work as a whole. Mm. That's not the entire industry, and you know it. Kind of, it makes it hard. To- I remember the other week I was telling my new injector, <laughs> my um Botox lady. She's like, "So, what do you do?" And I'm like, oh, "I'm a sex worker." And she just looked at me in shock. She's like, "You said that with so much confidence." And I thought, "Well, why shouldn't I? Like, what's what's there to be you know ashamed of, sort of thing?" So, I guess that's kind of why. So are
0: people often surprised by the fact that you aren't more. Um, private
1: about what you do? Yeah, but I think me being so open and so um, upfront with it from the start kind of sets the standard. Like, well maybe gets them questioning there, um, why do they think I should hide it? Why do they think I shouldn't be, you know, proud of my work? They're the ones asking. <laughs>
0: well, that's exactly right. But I think it just goes to people's own values and belief systems, doesn't it? And we all have different ones. Yeah, and
1: it does feedback. And I get a lot of people saying, but you don't look like one. I'm like, well,
0: <laughs> what do you think a sex worker looks like? <laughs> so do you think the stigma is starting to be alleviated or do you think that it's still going strong?
1: Yeah, it is definitely starting to be alleviated. Um, I mean, I've been in this industry for over a decade and things are looking up, <laughs> but we still have a long way to go. <laughs> so, in during COVID, you
0: obviously, we were all in lockdown and we couldn't, um, uh, I'm going to assume, you couldn't see private clients and you pivoted to OnlyFans and we have had an OnlyFans content creator on previously, Avalon Hopes, shout out Avalon. So, what... Um, so, did you make that transition to online sex work during COVID?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, you can't do my job socially distanced. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so I started OnlyFans and at last year was a bit of a grind. I wasn't really enjoying it all that much because, I, I don't know, I don't, I wasn't enjoying anything last year, let's be honest. But um, this year, I've really like grown to love it. It's such a wonderful platform to have and now with the snap lockdowns, they're not it's not as um, horrible because, you know, I have this business that kind of runs in the background. So, and I just enjoy it in a whole lot more in, yeah, overall.
0: So, what has been your experience so far as an OnlyFans content creator? I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice, like, being able to connect with, well, a lot of my clients subscribe, but then a lot of people will subscribe and then book me after they've subscribed and kind of gotten to know me on the platform as well. So that's really nice. It's this nice little sort of middle ground, a a bit more personal get-to-know-you sort of thing. (laughs) So where does OnlyFans
0: sit on the hierarchy?
1: Well, yeah, this is questionable. Me and my um, co-host of my podcast were discussing this um, because we did an episode on OnlyFans a couple of weeks ago. And I guess there's two angles you can go with. Um, Private escorts could say, oh, well – I don't show my (laughs) – I don't show anything explicit online, whereas OnlyFans girls could say, oh, I don't let other men fuck me. oh, Content, content. Um, Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Moving on.
0: Um, So, yes, have relations with – yeah, so continue. Continue, Georgia. Yeah, so
1: I think they – I would say that they're just equally (laughs) on the scale. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
0: That's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs>
1: um, okay, so
0: what? I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm. What am I? I'm flustered. I'm flustered. Have I'm flustered, I thrown you? Yeah, you've thrown me. Totally. <laughs> uh, okay, so okay, so back to the hierarchy. So we have um, a little bit of a, a tussle between escorts and OnlyFans content creators. So when you – do you have a preference between the online work versus the
1: face-to-face work? I think having both is a really nice balance for me. I think having OnlyFans and that um, little bit of income on the side has made my escorting work a lot more enjoyable because it takes the pressure off. And I can just say yes to the clients that I really want to say yes to, the ones that I really, you know, really connect with. And it's not just a financial – Gain. It's also a bit of an energy energy exchange sort of thing. Like the energy is quite, you know. I bounce off it and I'm happy after the booking that sort of thing.
0: (laughs) So when Avalon was here last time she did mention that when you're an um, OnlyFans content creator there is that risk of uh, people downloading and distributing the content for free and online at their own whim. So has that been a concern for you at all? I'm
1: not really concerned about that because yeah I know it's probably going to happen but if it does the people consuming free content were probably never going to pay anyway. However I don't know. I sometimes wonder maybe some people have seen the free content and then subscribed. So Mm. I do take it down when I find it, but I'm not too, it doesn't bother me when it does get leaked.
0: Yes. And so are you, can we talk about the, I guess, the polarity or the dichotomy of you being a wife and a mother and a sex worker? So how do you
1: navigate all these roles in your life? Oh, (laughs) it's funny because so many sex workers are parents and are wives as well but I don't know why we've created this whole like um, image of sex workers that we are single and um you know child free and all of this which is I don't know and I'm like kind of like fighting that I suppose because I feel like that image is not um it doesn't help us as sex workers it doesn't help break down stigma and that sort of thing I think it does sort of um Oh, God, I'm struggling with my words today, but I feel like it does give me men – I'm saying men, but all genders um, – the power to objectify us a little bit more if we don't create these really realistic images of ourselves. I'm, am I making sense? I'm
0: not sure. So unpack that a little bit more for me. Just keep talking because it'll
1: – Yeah, so I think like – a lot of men are really surprised when they find out that I am in a relationship, and I feel like it just it challenges them. It challenges their perception of who I am as a sex worker. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need some help. <laughs> so is, is it
0: also though? Um, I don't. I I don't know how to say this. I'm just going to say it. Um, is it also potentially the men who? maybe wouldn't date a sex worker and is confused by that another man would date a sex worker and, you know, be confident enough in himself to be with someone in a long-term relationship who, I guess
1: shares herself with other men for her job. Possibly. We do get this a lot. Like, who would ever date a sex worker? And it's crazy because it's like, well, we actually have men lining up to pay us. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, we're very desirable people. I don't know where this idea comes
0: from. So, where do you think the difference is then in dating someone? Because if you take someone out for dinner, you're paying for their meal, aren't you? Generally, or you could be. You're paying for a meal. If you're going away for a weekend, you're paying for a weekend away. So, I guess, what's the difference then between paying someone for... In that commercial transaction versus these other elements. Is that part of your argument?
1: Yeah. And look, there really isn't. Like when my clients take me out for dinner or take me away, they do treat me with utmost respect and, you know, as if we were sort of dating. They do know it's a commercial arrangement, but they're not, they don't treat me any differently. So. Are they paying for the girlfriend experience? Yeah. Yes. Because I actually um, have
0: a friend who used to date a male escort and his most popular. Um, offering was the boyfriend experience yeah and he would have um uh clients take him away on overseas trips for a week to two weeks he's and they fly in business class and pay for everything and yeah he's loving life
1: yeah like a lot of the times what men are paying for is just that I guess like normal sort of experience with a woman like my service is called the girlfriend experience it's very very vanilla but it's very um, in demand as well but do you think it's also the intimacy that
0: maybe the part of the girlfriend experience for men is that there is a certain level of intimacy and connection that they experience with you that they may not get on a one just a, a date going out with a random girl because if they're a client of yours maybe they've already established this rapport with you they trust you, they yeah. know you're a safe person, they like your company.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more to it than the
0: just the physical the transactional physical. nature of it that people
1: assume yeah and I think like a lot of my clients get a lot out of just the um interaction like the talking and just their vulnerability as well they don't get to have that vulnerable experience with other human beings and I think they really get a lot out do of you
0: really create a safe space for them you hold space for them do they tell you their problems
1: oh yeah yeah definitely yeah <laughs> I try to create a safe space <laughs> and um
0: so why have you you chosen particularly to be so open about what you do given that you've had um various levels of feedback from different friends and
1: family i just don't accept the stigma i'm like it's 2021 we don't need to be rejecting people denying them basic human rights like having a bank account especially in this day and age where lots of people don't accept cash um so we don't need to be uh, you know subjected to that and i'm just like i have the privilege i'm an out like a face-out sex worker, my husband obviously knows, um, my family know. A lot of people don't have that ability because they are still so um, subjected to stigma. So, I'm not. (laughs) So, that's why I feel like I have um a voice that can be heard, I suppose.
0: And so sorry, you mentioned uh, a, and I wanted to pick up on this earlier when you mentioned it in the segment about uh, banks not so there are banks who don't let sex workers bank
1: with them. Yeah, a girl last year actually had her whole entire dis- regular savings bank account closed down because they found out she was a sex worker. But why?
0: <laughs> like, exactly, money, money. that is a great question. I feel like there's a real opportunity for a, an up, you know, a progressive bank out there because this this industry is a booming? Is it not? I'm assuming that OnlyFans is going to get better, bigger, and better, and people are. Uh, there's a thing uh, an epidemic called the loneliness pandemic at the moment where people are desperately lonely lonely and seeking connection and obviously during COVID that was exacerbated because people were stuck in lockdown and they couldn't actually physically or even emotionally connect with other people and you know services like OnlyFans and sex workers and escorts actually provide a certain level of comfort like we were just discussing that actually alleviates people's loneliness and I think that's also why the apps go so well, the dating apps, because people are just starving
1: for connection and they're doing everything they can to get it. Yeah, I think the industry is definitely growing along with the um, the fact that stigma sort of going away a little bit slowly (laughs) we're getting there but I think with more people being out and proud like I am um, with social media these days it's so easy to find information on how to get in the industry and do it safely and all of these things I feel like there's a lot more people coming into it in 2021
0: well I follow (laughs) quite a lot of OnlyFans content creators online because I have such admiration for them because I just think it takes such courage and um yeah to, to put yourself out there in that way I just think it's incredible um, so if, if yeah sorry
1: Georgie, it's went? interesting you say that because OnlyFans has actually given me a lot of confidence within myself you know at the start of the pandemic putting explicit photos of myself online oh gosh <laughs> um, but now I love it it's given me so much more confidence and I feel so validated within my body and my body's changed a lot over the pandemic I've gained a lot of weight but um, I'm not worried about it it doesn't make me anxious I don't have you know unhealthy um eating habits or exercising habits based on that because of the confidence that OnlyFans has given me oh maybe I should start one (laughs) I mean the world is my oyster
0: Georgia it is um so thank you oh actually I just want to ask if someone is considering OnlyFans or sex work as a potential career path what would be your advice for them
1: I would definitely just recommend doing as much research as you can and definitely consider that you could be outed no matter – if you've got anything online, you know, it, there's every potential that it could be outed. So I would just take take a moment to think about it and d- definitely consider, like, what what could happen to you personally if that was to happen. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, I definitely recommend it. Go for it.
0: <laughs> and uh, women are making bank we sure are. they are. not, Georgia? Yes. Are they not? My, My bills are paid, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here today. And so
1: where can listeners
0: find you or connect with you offline?
1: I have a podca- podca- podcast. <laughs> it's called The Wholesome Horse Podcast and you can find it on Instagram or Twitter um and yeah. your Instagram on your
0: private Instagram or your, your professional yep. Instagram is at she is Georgia Heart she is Georgia, Hart. She is Georgia Hart. so thank you so much for your company today Georgia
1: This is the cheat chat podcast.